0: Hello, folks. Welcome to the Pendles and Clarkey show. I'm Jay Clark from The Herald Sun. Scott Pendlebury, five-time All-Australian, five-time best and fairest Norm Smith uh, medal winner and probably the finest table tennis player to come out of sale.
1: How are you, Scotty? I'm good, mate. Thanks for that. Kind introduction. How are you?
0: i you and you're uh, you're pretty handy. Let's be honest. Hey,
1: you've had a big off season,
0: mate. And I'm not just talking about coming back to training uh, two weeks uh, early. Very exciting news, my friend. That
1: your beautiful wife Alex is pregnant.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thanks, mate. Yeah, she is. The hardest part about coming back two weeks early is we were in that stage where we didn't tell anyone. Um, still waiting to for it all to be officially confirmed. Um, yeah, and sort of a lot of excitement. Wanted to tell a few of the boys, but. Uh, I had to try and keep it in and um, yeah it's very exciting due uh, sort of middle to late May and um, yeah I can't wait to, to meet the little fella.
0: Late May so you uh, 200, played 236 games your 250th is, is what say June Yeah. so w- what happens mate if you get the call on a Saturday morning just before you game or a Sunday morning and to play footy
1: we are you going to go to the berth? I will be going to the berth so, um, no, have, you, have you talked about this with Bucks yet? Well, Bucks doesn't know that yet But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure he'll understand So um, if it was finals, it'd obviously it'd be a lot different But yeah. I think a home and away game I'm prepared to miss one for, for the birth of my son And um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be funny if the banner was all done for 250 And, and I don't <laughs> even get to run through it So I might send my younger brother out or something Now you're very composed, mate, on the field We know that Cool as ice out there Nothing
0: flusters you how are you going to go? Three o'clock in the morning, the little man screaming. Yeah, Alex hasn't uh, slept well for a couple of nights. How are you going to go? Because that's the real red time,
1: my friend. That's when you uh, earn the big bucks. I've heard that. And um, I said, like, happy wife, happy life. So I've got to keep Alex happy in that first initial sort of <laughs> six to eight months. And But, yeah, there'll be some um, challenging times, I reckon, three in the morning when... Uh, we don't know what's going on. We can't sort it all out. So um, I'll probably just duck off back to sleep in the spare room. Yeah. and leave it to Alex. Well, I think uh, Sammy Mitchell. He slept at the Langham when he
0: when they had just had their twins. I think he used to sleep the night before games um, at the Langham with his own pillow to make sure
1: he got that You're oh, very rechanted. Do you have proof of that? If you got proof of that, I'll, I'll get that to Alex and she oh. can have
0: a read. I'm uh, pretty sure that's did. Andrew Carazzo when he had triplets, he uh, he got nannies and slept in other rooms. Um, well, something like that, anyway. So make sure you get your, your good night's sleep, and are eh? you very regimented, Scotty? You don't want to mess with that, mate.
1: I'm not too regimented anymore. I've relaxed a lot. Really? Um, but, yeah, the night before a game is, is sacred, mm. so... If you can get that Sam Mitchell piece about staying yeah. at the Langham or whatever, and I can use, I need evidence. I need she's not going to go off if I just said you know, a bit of C-sha or whatever it's called.
0: Now, uh, when the kids do play up, like I would turn to maybe a bowl of ice cream or you know some sort of ice, a glass of red one. What, what are you going to do at ten o'clock when you've had a, a stressful day? The footy club or your kids are I
1: thought playing. I said when, when your kids have played up, you've given them a bowl of ice cream. No, I. I like, you need a, a vice, mate. You need a vice. Um, well, by the, science, the sounds of it, is if they're asleep, my vice will you. Going to bed, <laughs> trying to get as much sleep as I can. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You when don't know, was maybe, your last oh, bowl of maybe, ice cream? Oh, a long time ago. It's not probably something I'd go to anyway. Months, years? Would be years, but, it's, yeah, it's not something that I would turn to. A nice glass of red, maybe. <laughs> yeah. hey,
0: um, we're going to talk a lot of things on this podcast, and this is our first up crack. We're going to have an analytical look at footy, are we not? And I some... will,
1: I will, and you'll just argue the point. Exactly.
0: And uh, and some wider sport. We know you like your basketball and some different things, some boxing um, that's going on. So we'll get to that all in a second. But the big news is that Swanee's in the jungle, mate. Now, I reckon he's an absolute favourite to win this. How do you think Swanee is going to go in the jungle?
1: Uh, I think he'll go fine initially. Um if they start starving him of food, he'll struggle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think he'll go fine. Like, all the, you know, skydiving, all those type of challenges. I don't think nothing will worry him in terms of challenges because he's just got that carefree attitude and I think everyone will see that when he's in there, that it's literally, it's, that is Dane Swan and it's just how he rolls. So uh, I think he'll be fine. There's nothing that challenges too much. With, obviously, with his foot, he's going to struggle to run, which mm. I think he's happy about because he doesn't like running at the best of times. So I can't see too much stuff worrying him. You ever seen him get stressed at the footy club? No, not really. The only time he ever got stressed is when we had big running sessions to do. <laughs> he, wasn't a, he wasn't a massive fan, but like like always, he he was always stressed or worried about it. But he always got it done. Mm. So um, I think the best thing they're not they're part of a team, and um, as much as he's an individual, he'll he'll never let his team down. So um, yeah, but. I'm looking forward to him opening up more and more as the, uh,
0: the season progresses. He might bring out some old footy tales, mate. It will be interesting uh, to hear those. Now, let's talk about footy because the Bulldogs were the big story of last season. They absolutely came from the clouds. I want to know what you saw tactically um, that made them you know, such a, an outstanding success story last year because I think they lost to Fremantle and then they started the finals campaign 67-1 to 1 or something. No one gave him any chance.
1: Yeah. So what do you see in this magnificent side? Um, well, firstly, well done to the Bulldogs on winning the flag. I think it was a fantastic effort um, that I tipped, Jay, that you didn't I tip. I saw that. I'm a pick um, Sydney. And I'm still spearing that Liam Smith. No, sorry, Liam Smith. <laughs> Liam Picken. Um, <laughs> Liam Smith's the boxer who just fought Canelo Alvarez. But <laughs> Liam Pickin, um, he was. I did the grand final breakfast and I tipped him for the Norm Smith and I thought he was very stiff. But I think what they do well, mate, is they've got 22 guys that contribute every week um, and it's, it's basic and everyone looks for these great tactics and things that sides do really well. And the, the two things the Bulldogs did better than anyone was contested ball. Um, when they won the ball, they were unbelievable around mm-hmm. the midfield. They dominated the finals with that you know outnumber around the, the ball and they, they'd send a, a high half forward, usually Caleb Daniel, up around stoppage as well to give them an extra number. Mm-hmm. And when they won that ball, it was, you know, good luck getting it back off them. I think they were, in the final series, number one contested ball side, number one time in possession side. So um, it's pretty hard to to beat them when they've always got the ball. And isn't it amazing when you look at what Hawthorne's done, and they were one of the best,
0: most beautiful ball-using sides um, of the past 10 years, and you hear Alistair Clarkson say he doesn't give two hoots about... The contest or the clearance really and then what the Bulldogs do is place huge emphasis on that centre clearance don't they so they totally differ in their in their styles
1: they they differ in their styles with the how they um I suppose with the ball and and, um you know Clarkson doesn't care about contested possession and and Bevo does but Mm. I think that's just looking at your side and analysing what's going to suit your side best um you know I think Bevo would be silly to walk out of Hawthorne and go to the Bulldogs and try and turn the Bulldogs into something they're not. Yeah. So he's just looked at his side, realised they've got Wallace, Libertore, Bontempelli, Smith. Caleb Daniel, mm. um, Smith, they had Kobe Stevens there, just guys that are, that are hard nuts that can win the footy and, and they've got you know elite hands. So, um, what do you, So, so what, yeah, I just think that they just played to their strengths and mm. they both defend very similar though and I think you've seen that in the... The final they played against each other, they defend similar. Mm. But the thing where Bulldogs got on top is, A, Hawthorne didn't take their chances early in the game when they could have really put a gap in the game. Yep. And then Bulldogs just sort of waited possessions to started to dominate that game. They won the footy um, and Hawthorne's pressure game is elite. Yep. And they buffered that pressure and got through and eventually broke them.
0: You know uh, Luke Beveridge as well as anyone he coached here. He seems like a snake charmer. You know, he's, he seems like just a wizard from outside. The, the, the players love him so much.
1: I'm petrified of snakes too. <laughs> what what uh, What is the genius in Luke Beveridge? How do you remember him? Um, I just remember, like, as a guy here when we won our flag in 2010, it's just that a lot of people had really strong relationships with Bevo. Mm-hmm. He worked in the development program when he was here. Um, he always had a smile on his face, had a lot of fun. He's a cuddler. Like um, yeah, he's a big feeler. Um, yeah, and he's... I don't know, Just a guy that everyone got along with and you know, it's hard to say what he's like now that he's in, you mm. know, what everyone calls the hot seat but he's yeah, um, probably the same. Yeah, it he maybe is and um, the thing that I often hear as players is that, you know, when you ask players at other clubs about assistant coaches that you've had that have now gone on to a senior coach is just usually there's a a massive difference into what you remember them as and to what they've become now as a senior coach and they mm. you know, the hot seat changes people and it sounds like with Beville it hasn't mm. Um, in round one, you got a big game against
0: this mob So this is why this is particularly relevant as well You're going to come up against your old mate Travis Clark, who's looking leaner He's looking fitter We all hear that he's reinvigorated Down there, needed the change, wanted the change And has been training very well Let's be honest, he is an upgrade on Zane Cordy Who played in the grand final side and had played about 10 games I think he's 19 years old What's it going to be like For you guys taking on him and from the other on the other side of it, Travis Cloak taking on the Collingwood Football Club round one.
1: I think it'll be it'll be weirder for him than it is for us because he's coming up against his old side, mm-hmm. um, and he's coming up against you know twenty two guys that he knows and a little um, bit of lip out there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, there will be, but it'll be funny if Trav tries to fire anything back to see <laughs> if he gets it right. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I. As you said, I think you know Trav wanted to go. The Footy Club were happy to, you know, facilitate a trade, and it's been great for him to to get to the Bulldogs. It still looks we- weird when I see him in the red, white, and blue and running around, but you know we. Collingwood, you know, we wish him all the best for round two and beyond. It's been a big year for trades and player movement, hasn't it? And I think what we're going to
0: see over the next few years is more and more of this, which I think is a good thing for the competition. I think this was good for Travis. It's good for players to um to move, and um it's probably not a bad time to just look back on what you thought was the biggest trade of last season, or what's going to be the move, the big deal that's going to have the most impact for you, because there have been some really big ones the last few
1: years. Yeah, there's, I think. I think free agency has created some big moves and it gives players late in their career a chance to control their career a bit more. And, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, the obvious one is everyone talking about Sam Mitchell going to West Coast and how much that helps them as a side. And I think, no doubt it does. Any Mm. side that got Sam Mitchell, it's going to be massive for. But the one for me, I think Jordan Lewis going to Melbourne. Mm. Um, They're just such a young side and, um, you know, they're in a side that, They've got to learn how to play together better I think mm-hmm. um, and it's like every side that misses finals the, the missing ingredient is working together and playing for each other more than you think you're already doing and willing mm. to sacrifice your own game a little bit and I think Jordan's been a part of a very successful team he you know he won a I think he won the um, what's their best and fairest at Hawthornes he won the Cris medal as an inside midfielder in a premiership side and mm. the next year he plays half forward wing mm. now he, at any side he would have been. You know, he could have just been like, why aren't I playing back on on ball again? You know, yeah. last year I've dominated the season, all Australian, blah, blah, blah. Next season I come out here and I'm playing on a wing, half forward. But that was the beauty of Hawthorne. That's why they were so hard to beat. And, you know, they, they still are as that. They've got multiple guys you can play different positions, and I think at Melbourne he's going to teach guys about the importance of developing others, making others better.
0: I think that's a good point on almost becoming an on-field coach, and we hear it a bit, but for, for mine when you have like a Nathan Jones, who in that Melbourne group can challenge a Nathan Jones if something happens out there? Because as you said, they're such a young group that I don't. if Jonesy does the wrong thing, for example, I don't think anyone's going to put the acid on him. Jordan Lewis will, though. Yeah,
1: well, I think Jordan will put it on anyone, mm. and I think he would expect it to come back to him as well because – as I said, like I don't think anyone on Melbourne's list outside Nathan Jones, maybe Hibbert and that as well, that have played finals. You yeah. know, they're, they're a side that hasn't played a lot of finals, almost similar to, to us here at Collingwood. Look, We're in a side here where there's a few guys who have played in a premiership, but a lot of guys have not played in a final series. Yeah. So you can talk about wanting to get to finals and playing finals, but you've got a guy here who's won four flags. Yeah. Um, he's played in five grand finals. He's played in probably six or seven prelim finals. That when he says something, you've got to listen because you know, you know that he's been there, done it, and performed really well in it.
0: Mm. And Mitchell's probably a similar impact at West Coast, who really underperformed uh, last year, didn't they? But what's your take on Nat Fife and Dustin Martin at the moment? It's been big news this week with Dustin Martin putting his contract talks on hold. And Nat Fife said some similar things at the end of last year, I think, really putting Fremantle on notice. You know, ho- holding out, waiting to see what the clubs, the Dockers and the Tigers do. If I am at Richmond, and probably still Fremantle, I'm shifting uncomfortably a little bit. Because if they have average seasons again, you know, and, and they were both very poor last year, why wouldn't Nat 5, except the $1.5 million to move, Dustin Martin will have suitors as well. So don't you think it really puts
1: the heat on those clubs to perform, to keep these guys? Um, well, in the NBA, they've just introduced a, a system where the club you know, say Steph Curry at Golden State, he can re-sign at that club for an extra year Mm. more than any other club can offer him. So it entices clubs that draft players. They get enticed to keep their players. And for players, it makes sense to stay because you get more money, Mm. a longer deal. So I think something like that could be worked into the free agency model that we've got here because that way it keeps. And it also stops, like, whether Martin goes or stays, Fife goes or stays, they're going to be under so much pressure, and I think Martin's just come out and said he's not going to talk contracts at the end of the yeah. year. So he's got to expect now that the media is going to hound him every time he plays about whether he plays good or bad, Richmond win or lose. It's all about... That the story is. now is about Dustin Martin. Will he stay or will he go? Yeah. Same with Nate Fife. So, um, yeah, it's a tough... It's, it's going to be tough for both player and club, because if you're not flying, mm. you're going to cop it. And if you are flying, they're still going to ask the same question. But I remember you being in this situation.
0: It didn't, seem the re- d- didn't fluster you. I think Paddy Dangerfield coped with it really well. You know, Lance Franklin, I'm not too sure. I signed
1: a year early. Yeah, but the one before that. I signed an extra year extension. This is
0: why. Yeah. It well, was your contract, so you probably...
1: I've never gone into a season with one year left. Always re-signed early. Always re-signed
0: early and they're clearly not doing that these yeah. two players because well, I, th- I think
1: now because you can you've got that ability to sit back and wait as you said mm. you know, you're in the media you're the one who writes all this stuff exactly so for you and your job it's great because now you can speculate on something for
0: a whole year <laughs> yeah. and don't uh, don't the coaches uh, love it i just wonder whether <laughs> hawthorne right this is my theory. Whether Hawthorne, after losing Mitchell and Lewis, clearing some some cap space again this year, look at Burgoyne, Hodge, maybe Gibson go. That's probably one point five million dollars in their salary cap. But they got O'Meara and Mitchell, and Vickery in. Yeah, yeah. I st- I still think this year they'll be clearing more more cap space. So they fitted that into their salary cap last year. It's so the master plan. I think that Hawthorne, um, and this is the issue with free agency because the clubs. Well, are who, would t- who would you take first, Martin or Fyfe? Oh, please, that's not even a question, is it? Oh. It's Fife by the length of the Flemington Straight, don't you reckon? Well, I'll just ask you the question. Well, I think I think it's Fife. I mean, we go back two years before he had his leg issues and he was 18 brown votes after about 10 games. The thing with Dusty last year, Scott, and you probably know this better than I, is that a lot of his possessions behind the ball weren't as efficient and as effective. So now with Josh Caddy and Dion Prestier coming into the Richmond side, that releases him back forward again, I think where he can have maximum damage.
1: Oh, no doubt. I think any side that played against Dustin Martin last year you're happy for him to do whatever he wants in the back half of the ground whether that's you know getting around the back and getting a handball and um, you know kicking backwards or sideways because yeah. he's probably along with Dangerfield and Fife in the best center four players in the game if you if he's inside 60 or 70 one on one i don't think there's too many defenders that can handle that so but i don't think he was able to get into that position enough last year to be fully damaging word out of punt road is that uh, he has spent the
0: past three months very much well training in that forward half of the ground so i think that's what we're um what we're going to see hey the big story at the minute or another big story is the cba and you're a part of this you're a senior figure uh very important person
1: yeah uh, i'm, I'm watching i'm hey. watching from afar i'm not a delegate you're, no. who is the delegate here tay um, no, Tyson Goldsack. Oh, Goldie. Yeah, he's okay. a long-serving delegate. Yes. Okay, the headband.
0: I like it. Good work, Goldie. Now, the issue is, um, Scott, that clearly the AFLPA are fixed on this or want this set percentage, and the AFL are calling their bluff, in my view, and that's what we're seeing happening at the moment. So give a short take on uh, on why this set percentage model is the way to go. Well,
1: I think the, as the game grows, it makes sense to look after the people who are making it grow. Um, so for me, as players, mm-hmm. sort of we're the product, mm-hmm. and as the game's grown and it's got bigger and bigger... It's a good product. Yeah, it's a great product, and I think it's, could, it could get better, though, with more access to players. Mm-hmm. And then, therefore, though, what, why would a player give up more of himself if he's not going to get or share in that massive growth that's going... Ban- bananas in the AFL, you know, they've been able to bring in two two new franchises. they brought in a women's league. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously the money's there. Money's in the pie. They just maybe don't want to cough it up. So um, it is tricky, but then on the same time, they look to America all the time to model their game on how we can make ours more entertainment. Mm. They want to speed up the game. They'll make rule changes to do all that thing, and they look at that. They look at American sports to model themselves on. Mm. But the one key thing they're missing is the American models payment system. Mm. And their players get, like, 55%. Yeah, It's not what we're asking for. So the issue pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, the issue with that yeah. is, mate, the, it, it's apples and oranges because in, in the US, these are all privately owned clubs. So Mark Cuban or whoever else who owns the NFL club doesn't have to worry about funding the game at grassroots level, at Kick level. They don't have to worry about... Um, building the Adelaide Oval in another state to promote footy in in, uh, in South Australia. So my view is contrary, because at the moment I think the AFL is loosely budgeting on a 10% increase for the players. I wouldn't mind a little 10% increase, but I think I think that, to me, is fair reward. But when you've got that pie that you're talking about, and yes, there is more money in it, but I think the AFL has got... M- there's more hands out, you know. That for an AFL Auskick subscription, you'll get to know this uh, in five or six years, you know, um, or you can just teach <laughs> your son. It's not a bad idea either. <laughs> but so you know, it's $160 registration. We're in soccer; it's like a thousand-dollar registration, and that is subsidised, my friend, by the AFL. So there's that. They're building stadiums. There is. I don't think it's as simple just to say yes, set revenue, because there's so much more. To pay for, and because it's not privately owned, Joe Buglugs in the US, he doesn't have to worry about all this other stuff. He just needs to make pay the players, win games, make a profit.
1: Yeah, it'd so, be, it be great if it was that. If organisations were privately owned here, it'd be massive. And Eddie yeah. would own it, and, what, and yeah, all exactly. And then and there'd be four or five, this. four <laughs> or five clubs dominating the competition every year. Um, but I think the from the last deal when the AFL forecasted, they forecasted. How much they expect it to grow mm. and do all these things, and then they go out and they almost double these forecasts. Yeah, and then they say they just, fu-
0: they just found money, did they?
1: And they just think like, oh well. So the players' percentage. Oh no, we can't give you any of the extra stuff we made because we're going to put that back into the game. Yeah. It's like that's a lot of the pie that. Yeah. You know, we've all agreed on, and then all of a sudden, you double or whatever the, the profit of the business. Mm. All this if, you're a, if you're a stakeholder in a business, you want year, transparency. <laughs> oh, everyone does, don't they? And I'm not saying that the the AFL's not, but I think that it just, as the game grows and everyone, the key stakeholders, need to grow with it. and um, Yeah, I think it's something that we've got to fight for and, I don't think the players are going to blink either if the AFL is not going to blink and awesome. the players don't blink. Who I knows what happens blink, when that Scott. ball goes up in
0: the first NAB Cup I game, think, Jay? I think you will blink because the AFL, the public, you're hopelessly conflicted, Scott, because the public aren't going to side with you. They're not going to say, you know, Scott Pendlebury, ex-player, is well paid. Why does he need to, you know, all this extra money? This will come down to one thing and one thing only, and that is whether the players will strike. Because if you don't, the AFL will keep calling a bluff, and that's what they're doing at the moment. So, Scott, as captain of the football club, would you strike? Would you sit
1: down at the first quarter? Yes. I have no qualms sitting down you at the first wouldn't quarter. wouldn't bother no, you? not at all. As you said, like you model yourself off what the best businesses in the world have done and the best sporting. NBA had two lockouts. They played a 50-game season instead of an 82-game se- mm. season to prove a point that, you know, as players we need to be more respected than what they felt they were. And, um, yeah, obviously, players, we sit back, we listen to Marshy, we take his advice. And if he, said, if he come to this football club and said, Scott, I need you, to, in order to get this deal moving, mm-hmm. we need you to sit out the first quarter, mm-hmm. Joe Watson's already put it on the agenda a few years ago. Mm. What, was so was it? what did he want to do? He wanted down? to sit down in the first quarter. And what do you think of that at the time? What did I think of that yeah. at the time? I You're on board. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. If Joe's got it. He's one of the most respected figures in the game. So, yeah. How's that yeah. going to go down with the public, though? Oh, They'll be spewing, and rightly so, but they'll understand eventually when the media, you Jay, yes. print the story and <laughs> you print all the facts, they'll read about it, they'll educate themselves about it and they'll understand it's all for a bigger bigger product and they'll enjoy the game in the next season when it's, the game is so much greater because they get so much more player access. You're talking tough. Is, that what, is this Goldie's view as well? This is all that players use. You're <laughs>
0: united. <laughs> hey, we'll talk Collingwood for a second because um, you are in the midst of the pre-season and uh, the games aren't far away. Who's catching your eye? How's it all going? you captain. It's
1: been a while since you played in September. Is this going to be the year, Pendles? Um, pre-season's going well. Um, they all do. They all. They're all fun. They're all tough to be part of. But as I said, being a part of a team is... One of the greatest feelings you can have as an athlete, I think, the team environment, all putting the hard yards together, doing as many sessions as you can together. Um, You know, it hurts, but everyone sticks out there and you're all doing it at a common goal. And our goal, obviously, this year is to to rise up the ladder and try and get back into finals football. And, um, you know, the old cliches and everything goes, but, yeah, everyone's fitter here, everyone's stronger here, Mm -hmm. everyone's leaner, everyone's lost four kilos. Yeah. Which, I don't know why players come out and say all that stuff, but... (laughs) Look, we're, we're ready and um, hopefully this year when you watch Collingwood, you think, geez, they're a hard side to play against. Mm. We weren't early in the first half of last year,
0: I no. would say, and you would probably agree. Yep, you know what you are doing? Because I see um, some of the photos that your wife puts on Instagram and uh, with your current rig, you are giving the dad bod a really bad name at the moment. So us fathers out there who aren't the allowed to lay it, off the ice
1: cream late <laughs> <it> at night, <laughs> Yeah, mate. who are carrying
0: an extra couple, you are <laughs> certainly giving us a bad name. But who's caught your eye? Like I thought, Callum Brown early before his unfortunate bout of glandular yeah. fever was having a real crack. But who is there one bloke you can underline as being um, someone who stood out?
1: No, I don't think it's it's pretty hard. I've, obviously, I'm here every day, so I see it every day. So yep. there's different people that stand out from session to session. But yep. um, I think like Jeremy Howe's one because it's his first full preseason here. Mm. Um, you know, he no, was frisbee games or dog bites or whatever it was? For what? Cricket games. Oh, yeah, then he yeah, broke yeah. his finger playing yeah, cricket. Yeah, playing cricket. Yeah. Um, so cricket's been banned. But, <laughs> um, so he's playing frisbee with your dog. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think how he's been one, because he's done every session, you actually realise how good of an athlete he is in pre-season mm. and how well he sees the game and how smart he is. And I think as he adapts more and more to the defensive role that he's in, mm. he's one of the best in the game at the role that he plays. Pretty handy last year. What was he fifth? Oh, very, very handy. I think he Fifth in the best and the fairest. I think he was fifth or fourth in the comp, one-on-one intercept marks. Mm. All the stuff that the modern footballer needs to be good at, he's elite at. And he did take a couple more hangers, I think, on Monday at
0: training, as I saw. He see. did, he did. He uh, he can go well in the air. Mate, uh, I know you're a big fan of boxing. Should we turn our hands to the sweet sweet science? Let's do that. What Friday night. Green Mundine. What do you think of it? Well, I'm a green man. I'm a massive. When did they last fight? Green man. Oh, it was ages ago. Oh, it was. 10 years ago. Must be 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah,
1: 2007. They fought, where? In Sydney. Is it Sydney? Yeah, now in Adelaide. And Mundine said that he. No, Green got weight drained. Yeah. And then went into the fight. They went down to the lower class. Yeah. Yeah. Shallow himself could barely throw a punch, had no power. 4% body fat. Yeah. So basically, cook before, which yeah. they do in boxing. They wait Drayno to get all the advantages they can. Because you can't be Mundine well. thought he was the A side in yeah. that fight. Mm. Green wanted the fight so badly he was happy to meet all the terms. Mm. Mundine said, but now it's sort of been reversed, hasn't it? So exactly, yeah. So now they're going up in weight. They're points. going up 83 to eighty-three kilos. I think. I think it's eighty-seven kilos. Eighty-seven. Yeah, so well, fourteen kilo jump from Mundine's last fight to this fight. Which doesn't mean 14 kilos. It means he doesn't have to yeah. weight drain probably six or seven kilos to get down to 73. So he's obviously starting at 80, mm-hmm. but he can go to 87. I don't think he should go to 87, otherwise he'll get...
0: Be too deserted. slow. will
1: be too slow. Yeah. Well, his thing is he's got great defence. He's quick, he Mund- can move. Mundine mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. move. Where Green is, he'll obviously be a lot more powerful in the night, and mm-hmm. then Mundine's just got to hope that he doesn't get caught. What do you think? Tell me, what's going. how's it going to play out? Um, I we can't him- see how... Green
0: doesn't knock him out. Knocks him out. Knocks him out. Do you like the way Mundine goes about things?
1: Um, is it very oh, he's polarizing, polarizing isn't yeah. he? But um, I respect him as an athlete. I think what he does in the ring and yeah. Um, and both guys. I've you know you hear a lot of people say, I can't believe they're doing this. This is just a cash grab. Mm. Blah blah blah. It's like well you step inside a ring and yeah, make that your professional career and we're all going to watch. You can't cry when they've you know they both potentially make you know seven eight. Ten million each. Yeah, this is a professional sport. This is the last hurrah for them. So, mm-hmm. good on them for going out there and doing it. And you know, the, the public will tune in, I'm sure, to watch. I, uh, most of them will watch, tune in to watch and hope Mundine gets beaten. But that's the beauty of mundane is everyone's going to tune in to watch yeah. him. Yeah, and Green obviously is a, a great fighter himself and champion of the community. Oh yeah, he's it's yeah he's got such a good image with the with the Australian public and you know his one punch campaign and all that sort of stuff. So. Mm-hmm going to be a good fight and i just think that Green's going to be simply too big will mayweather mcgregor happen i hope not why? i understand like i understand why they're doing it it's it's creating interest and um, promoting themselves but like you got one of the guys is the best mayweather's probably the best ever defensive fighter in boxing versus yeah. an mma guy yeah he's never fought before so it's like saying you know, which, whichever way they go, whatever code they go to, the, well, Mayweather will dominate. It has to be boxing, yeah, be boxing yeah. otherwise McGregor could almost kill, kill him. him. But in boxing, it's just going to be stupid. Would it last, no one's going to yeah. touch him. he like, will go 12 rounds if Mayweather wanted to because yeah. he just won't get touched. But It could go two, two rounds. It could go two, yeah, absolutely. And they'll both make $100 million. So you would, you'd do it from that, from a financial sense. Super
0: Bowl uh, week on Monday. Also, Bowl week coming up. Uh, we all know what an exciting showcase it is, the halftime show. We love how spectacular. It's great live, too. <laughs> it is. It, it is.
1: is. Trust me. Have you me. been, have you? I have. When did you go? I went and watched. Junket. Yeah, I went and watched Denver versus Seattle in New York. When, what was that a part of? Um, Gatorade. Mm. Yeah, so we went we there. you Me, Gary. Your bestie, Gary. Bill Daverin, the head of um, performance yes. here. Come over. He's a massive Patriots fan, mm-hmm. so I think we'll get Monday off training. here. Really? If
0: uh, will there be will there be twenty blokes around yeah, the table watching? Yeah,
1: absolutely. We'll probably schedule it up around so we can all watch the Super Bowl together and then train around the Super Bowl. So um, I think anytime there's big sporting events, you mm. should try and get everyone to watch it because it's just the best of the best going at it. Mm. I've seen that. I've seen a couple of the guys get around the Patriots end of will win.
0: We'll tell us who is going to
1: win. Patriots Brady, Brady. We'll get his fifth.
0: But is that because you're a defense versus offense man? So Atlanta Falcons are the best offense in the in the comp. They're the underdogs, yeah. and I know they're playing an indoor stadium. But you, what's your reasoning? Just because of Brady or the defense? Or well, what I
1: think that? it's the first. It's the first time Atlanta's been there in a long time. It's the first time their quarterback's been there. It's the year for upsets. It is, but It's a fairy tale. Um, yeah, I just think Brady's been there, done that before. Calming really influence in the locker. Um, they're a great defense. Um, that's usually what holds up in big games. You, yeah, you've got to be able to score. But they've got Brady for that, so hmm. he'll be able to read it, read it and react.
0: I just wonder whether Freeman, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, with his running game, I wonder whether this uh, high-scoring uh, high rapid-fire, this uh, potency... Of the, uh, of the Atlanta side is gonna get the job done and whether just did the flake gauge stuff might you know, distract them or something. Yeah, you know, I love a good storyline, Scotty. So we try and uh, yeah, we, yeah. we 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 these things up uh, as much as we can. Uh, so um I noticed I th- because it's is it gonna be a shootout? It's gonna be an offensive game, isn't it, surely? Yeah, you'd think so. Well, I had a look at the uh, the odds, my friend, and I did see that the over fifty five points is a dollar seventy. So everyone always
1: tightens up in big games though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah Everyone possibly. Everyone gets a bit yeah. gun-shy. Well, Carol, uh, was, it, um, was it Caroline Panthers uh, quarterback, Cam Newton, last yeah, year? Did Cam you Newton. see that? What happened there? He On the big stage. MIA. MIA. And is that because of the, the moment you think we just had a bad game? What do they say? Sometimes the, the lights are too bright. <laughs> you, however, love the big sort of stage. Hey, Pendles, we've just about run out of time. How do you think we went on our first show, the Pendles
1: and Clarkie show? Yeah, I think we've done all right, mate. I think we started off all right. I think we'll get the banter will... Um, go up another level next episode, I think. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so far, so good.
0: All right. I like it. Hey, all the best uh, on the track this week. Thanks very much for listening in. We'll uh, catch you next week on the Pendleton Clarkie Show. Thank you.